Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Reading with Celebrities, the final episode on Anna Karenina. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tiffany. And we, we made it. We did we it. made it to the end <laughs> of Anna. I'm so excited. So excited. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very proud of us. I know. I, I thought we were going to give up. Or- I will say. Well, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I thought we were going to give up on that, or we were just going to give up on Oprah's book club in general. But we did it. We, we did, did it. Not. I, um, so I, I found out that the Audible, the audiobook version, which is done by Maggie Gyllenhaal, is free on my Audible for some reason. I don't know if I have, you know, some special thing or if it's free for everybody. Um, so I actually downloaded it and was listening to it in the gym yesterday. And I'm going to say she was doing a really good job. I think like now I'm kind of regretting actually reading it because I think I would have enjoyed like her, like her voice and her cadence and stuff was actually very, very, it was very well done. It is so weird that you've mentioned that because right before we logged on, I was like, I think I need to listen to this book now to see if I actually so I think I'm going to do that. I think, I think I'm just so going to I think I'm going to start from the beginning and re-listen to it. I think um, I'm going to do the same thing. I think I was going to see if it was going to be like I can get it like through the Libby app through my library. So you should check do you have Audible? Uh no, I canceled it after like my 3 month like free thing. Oh, free thing. But I could probably log in. I could probably log into my account and see because it was it was free like okay. like did because I have like so many credits still yeah. stored up. And so I was, you know, perfectly okay with using one, but it was free. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, actually, like it, like normally I don't listen to books while working out just because I get distracted and don't pay attention. But I was like invested, like it, it, she did a good job. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let me go through my Libby app real quick because that's always, oh, wait. I'm on the wrong thing. Oh my God. So but yeah, I, that's so weird that you thought that. Cause I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I wonder if I would have like enjoyed like their voices, like just enjoyed it more listening to them. Yeah. Oh. She, um, like, I don't know if she, like, I, it was nice hearing the names actually pronounced. Instead. <laughs> that was- um, Oh, uh, you were correct. It's Levin, not Levin. Oh, I got something right. You got it. <laughs> Out of all the names, you know you what? Know, I'll take it. I was I was it. very confident on Anna, Dolly, and Kitty. <laughs> Don't you know what? If we would have gotten any of those wrong, I would have been really, really worried. Is it pronounced Kitey? <laughs> that would have been great. Oh, I think I can get it through Libby. It's 34 hours. Yes. Um, and um, you know, I will oh, say too, I put it at like, you know, like 1.25 times the normal speed and it still was very easy to listen. It wasn't like, yeah, you know, speed reading. Oh, this one is not by Maggie. Hmm. I wonder if she did it specifically with Audible. Oh, maybe. I didn't stick around to see. I just downloaded it. But, um. Yeah, yeah actually, so her, like, you know, it was, it was, I thought it was very well done, and I'm probably going to go back and listen to it. Yeah, I think, I think so, too. I think, 
you know, we talked about, like, this is considered one of the greatest novels ever written, and I can't say that I agree with it yet, but maybe that's because I need to listen to it now. Um, I'm going to say, like, is it my personal greatest novel ever written? No, but I can see why people think it. Yeah. So, um, well, do you... So we finished parts seven and eight. Would you like to give a summary of them? I will try my hardest. Um, so part seven, we're basically, um, Kitty's pregnant. We're waiting for the birth of their baby. Um, I believe they're living in the city at this point, not in the country. Yes. Which Levin is not... Um, he doesn't like that much. Like, he prefers to live in the countryside. Um, but he ends up going to visit Anna, which turns into, like, he finds her, like, extremely attractive. Yeah, so I was, when I was doing that, I was trying to figure out, or when I was, you know, listen, I listened to that part, I was trying to figure out, I was thinking... Is Anna just flirty with everybody, or is this Levin mistaking like friendship and and you know formality and niceness for flirting? Well, we know he does that anyways because of that man that was at his house. He already has. (laughs) He already thinks any nice talk to a man or a woman is flirting and crossing the line. And his wife is having an affair at this point. Yeah. I, I did I did really identify him in the beginning of part seven when Kitty was like, hey, you have social obligations. And he's like, I'd rather not eat than go talk to people. <laughs> I was like, Man, I feel that. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'd rather I'd rather just like, you know, stand under a waterfall for three hours than go make a doctor appointment. <laughs> over the I know. Phone. I'm such a like I think also what we've realized is so many people have that like social anxiety a little bit in them. And I think, too, even, like, during, like, quarantine the past, like, year and a half, I'm like, it, it doesn't bother me that much. <laughs> I don't have to interact with that many people. When I was going to work on Saturdays and there was, like, nobody else there, I was like, this is nice. When, at the so very, much done. At the very beginning of this, when we did, like, split, like, you will work from home, like, two days a week, you'll come mm-hmm. in. On those days, like, I was like, it's so quiet here. I was like, nobody's here. Or, like, even just working holidays, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. You get so much done. You get so much done. It's not loud. It's just, that's what I also like about when we get closer to, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas when more people start taking off. I'm like, this is my favorite time to be at work. Yeah. So, I I think I, I feel for Levin on, on that part. Yeah, I found myself, there were a couple of moments where I was like, okay, I agree with you, man. And then he would say, like, do something. I'm like, oh, I'm... Yeah. No, you're still a douche. The worst uh, party host. But because of this flirtation that was happening between him and Anna, he feels obligated now that he has to tell Kitty. Yes. Um, I don't, again, I don't know if it was something that needed to be told, but he, again, felt obligated I'll give them props for keeping communication open. Yes. Like, you know. Yeah, but of course it caused a fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, but while that's happening, Anna's having her own issues with Vronsky, 
But I think it's just in her vision. Like, this is not actually happening. It's like... Yeah, super- so I... I was, like, reading some more online about it, and there were a bunch of people who were saying that, like, if Anna were a real person, she'd be diagnosed with, like, borderline personality disorder, just based on a bunch of, like, like, inability to regulate emotion and all this stuff, and I'm not a big fan of, you know, diagnosing, armchair diagnosis like that, but, um, I mean, she kind of fits the bill for it. Yeah, I would have to learn more about it, but she definitely, like, especially in part seven, up until that very end, like, we see the spiraling out of control of her. Yeah, she makes a very rash decision. (laughs) Yeah, a decision that she tried to take back and it did not work. It's Um, it's kind of hard when you're, you know, under train tracks. Yes. Um, So she's, like, trying to, like... She thinks that Vronsky doesn't love her anymore. She thinks that he's having an affair. All these things are just going through her mind. And it's just like this jealousy is starting to build up and drive her crazy. And Vronsky is trying to tell her, like, I love you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're the only person I want to be with. Like, I'm waiting for us to get this your divorce from Alexi, right? Yes. And so that we can be together. Mm-hmm. And she's like... No, you don't love me. Uh, yeah, I still don't believe you. So I think, like, this is definitely where we see the spiraling out of control for her. And, uh, yeah, was it end of seven? She is at the train station and decides that's too much to handle and throws herself onto the tracks. And Anna is no more. So. And she kills herself. Um were you surprised by that? Because I think, if I remember last time, you said that you thought that she wasn't going to die. Like, you thought, like, she and Hombronsky were going to be together. Yeah, I did not think... Yeah, I didn't think that they would be, like, happily, because I thought still with her husband, but I did not see her dying. Because um, I think I said that I thought that Kitty and Levin were going to be the worst off, and here I am, completely wrong. And I thought that Stephen and Kitty, not Kitty, Dolly, were going to be the best. But we really don't see much of them in these last two parts anyways to kind of determine if they would. Yeah, their whole thing is, like, based on financials. Yeah, like, he's telling her that he needs money because he's in debt and stuff. So Mm -hmm. they're definitely not the best off either. No. Um, Um, Yeah, so I was wrong. (laughs) So I, like... I don't have the actual book in front of me, but when I spoiled it for myself reading the, you know, the foreword or the introduction, whatever, it all it said was Anna's death and Kitty and Levin are unhappy, which I don't know if I would put Kitty and Levin as unhappy. I think they seem like they're kind of turning a corner. So Anna's death, like I I didn't know how she died. I assumed that she got like tuberculosis or something oh, okay. like that. I didn't know she, I didn't know she killed herself. Um, yeah, because we knew she was sick when she was pregnant. Yes, and she kept saying like, "I feel like this is going to end badly." So for me, it was more just like some foreshadowing of she's going to become very sick, um, which I was wrong on that end. So that was a little shocking to me. Mm-hmm. But um, 
but I, I don't know if I would say like Kitty and Levin's marriage is completely unhappy. It seems like they're kind of starting to turn a corner and starting to understand each other. And yeah, and I think that lo- part eight focused a lot on just like Levin and like finding his religion and his Christianity and like what he's supposed to believe in, what he's supposed to be as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he was trying to finally start that. Um, I think like their biggest relationship issues throughout the whole book were just like these like little jealousy issues to start fights. Yeah, it seemed almost like like for what really helped them turn a corner was when Kitty saw Vronsky and she was able to kind of just like yeah. you know ignore yeah. him was kind of over it and then um the f- and then when you know Levin had that flirtation with Anna the fact that they both were able to go back to their partner and say hey this is what happened uh you know I'm, I'm still in love with you like they like they seem more like in the long run they're going to be the stable couple yeah <clears throat> yeah I mean again I definitely did not see that coming I think when I predicted it, it was because there was so much jealousy and so many fights happening. I was like, there's no way that this um, relationship can be stable. But I, I think, like, their communication definitely improved in these last two parts. And even though they fought, they reconciled. It's just sometimes the way that Levin speaks to Kitty is a little aggressive. Yeah. Especially, like, in part eight when we get to, like, that storm where he's, like, rushing to go find them. Like, when that tree falls. And he's like... He, like, yelled at her, and she, she was like, I need to change his diaper, or, like, I need it, or whatever, yeah. like, and he just was, like, yelling at her, and I was like, okay, we do need to work on your, like, like how you yell at her, and, like, delivery. Yeah, delivery is a good word, yeah. I just, so, I, I also did not expect them to, to me, Levin, for sure, became, like, the main character of this entire book. Yeah. This is so I so I had also also read in that um, forward introduction, the spoiler one, um, that like like Tolstoy, the author, like he basically wrote himself into the book as Levin. Like oh. Levin is himself. Like reflects a lot of his views, a lot of mm-hmm. his you know conflicting emotions and stuff. And so I think that's kind of where that that comes from i could see that because mm-hmm. he out of all the men he was the one that we focused on the most focused on the most and was probably the more like well-developed character out of yes. all the men yeah um, um i think specifically when when kitty was in labor and he was able to talk through all those emotions that he was having it's kind of not nothing that i've like in books that I've read where there's been a character giving birth, I haven't really seen like that part of like that side of it mm-hmm. explained emotionally. And so that was kind of, I thought, you know, interesting. I texted you yesterday that I was yeah. like, crying while listening. To it. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, cause again, you see Levin's at this point that he's like, I think I'm going to lose Kitty. Like she's going to die during this birth. Yes. You kind of start seeing him pray and stuff. You kind of, again, start to see the start of this religion that he's Mm -hmm. starting to focus on. It is like that coupled with him being like, talking about like, like the scene where 
um, his son sneezes and how at the same time he's like so anxious and so worried, but like so proud, like my little boy just sneezed. Like I, <laughs> I was like, I identify with all those emotions. One <laughs> so of my, it hit me a little one hard. Of, one of my favorite scenes was close to the end of the book where Kitty's like, come look, come look. He recognizes us. Yeah. And they brought in like the cook and he was like, I don't know who this is. Like, I just thought that was super cute too. When a baby starts to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, so these, this, yeah, this is my mom and dad. Like who their people are. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's super cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I think like, like, you know, the very opening line is every happy family is alike. Every unhappy family is unique in its own way. And for me, I I feel like they're kind of, I don't know if he's having them play into a stereotype, but I feel like they're going to be a happy family. I, I think they'll or, like be they're, or like they're going to, they're going to get to that point. Like if we could see kind of where they are 10, 15 years from the end of the book. I mean, I now will say out of all the families, I agree yeah. that they will be the happy family. Yeah. And as much as like, and I don't know too, like, and I think I may have said this when we, when I was making my predictions is like, I just never liked Kitty as a character. Um, I started to like her a little bit more throughout the book, especially when Levin's brother was dying and stuff and the way she reacted. She's like, I'm coming with you. We're going to figure this out together. I think I started to like turn a little bit. And, but, um, so I think that was more why I was like, they're not going to be happy together. It's Kitty. Like she's so, (laughs) but I do think that they are a, they are probably the most successful. And like with like Vronsky and Anna and then like Steven and Dolly, like <clears throat> they're both unhappy, but for very different reasons. Yes. But no matter what, they're still just both very unhappy. I think um, like probably for me, one of the, the worst parts of it was when um oh no i'm drawing a blank steve i think obonski runs into anna's son who's now like an older child and he's just kind of like i don't really remember my mom yeah that was heartbreaking and then on top of it uh corinna never grants the divorce and takes custody of their daughter yes i was just like well like that I think that to me was wild because I'm sure, you know, like part of the reason they wanted the divorce so badly was because then they could challenge paternity and Vronsky yes. could have like legally adopt his biological daughter. And so it was just reason, kind of yeah. it was kind of just like almost like a huge like the last final like fuck you to Vronsky and Anna for doing that. Yeah, and I mean Vronsky, I feel like to me he was I enjoyed Vronsky as a character. I actually really liked him. And I think he got the worst end of the stick out of all characters. His mistress, Anna, his girlfriend, whatever you want to call her, kills herself. He loses his daughter to the man that would not grant a divorce to his mistress. Yeah. Like, he literally has nothing. Absolutely was, nothing. Yeah, and that's why at the end, he's just like, I'm going to go fight. Don't really care if I die. Yeah. <laughs> like... He's like, no, I'm good. Good. He had, nothing to, he had nothing to live for. Yeah. And I think we kind of see that with Levin. In these last few chapters, Levin is debating, should he kill himself or should he live? And he always said, I had like, he always had something worth li- living for. Because mm-hmm. we kind of saw that struggle a lot. Because I was like, 
do not tell me another character is going to try to kill themselves. Because, I mean, we saw Vronsky do it, but he survived. Obviously, Anna did it. Yeah. And I was like, are we really going to have a third character that's, like, struggling this much? Well, then, if you remember, too, at the very, um, I can't remember if it was part one. It was in parts one or two. Very beginning, there was that that man at the train station right after Anna yeah. meets Vronsky, and he threw himself in front of the train. Mm-hmm. And he had a family, if I'm not mistaken, like a, yeah, like a the, like the the widow was you know they had a bunch of kids, and so Vronsky went and gave him money. But we're just kind of like oof. Yeah. I mean, this is also the second Oprah book club where we've had no third. We've had. Th- this is the third three straight books in a row where we've had a character commit suicide. Okay, I don't like that. It happened in Rapture of Canaan. Yep. Happened in Hearts of Lonely Hunter. It did. And then Anna Karina. Yeah. I, I have a question for Oprah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, um, I don't know what she's thinking. Because I don't like it. I had forgotten about Rapture of Canaan. Yeah, until you were saying we had all three, I had to think of what happened in the first one. It was, um... But it was the kid. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I want to say it was, like, James, not Jake. Um, yeah. And they spun it so that he just, like, it was an accident, but... Yeah. Okay, Oprah, so, um... Well, yeah, uh, let's, hope, let's hope that the next three that we read, we don't have the similar problem because i don't like that i don't like that either um okay so i mean i think we've we talked about anna that because that ended part seven was her dying Mm -hmm. um and then we kind of just jump into part we've already discussed some of part eight yeah like just about um what happens the aftermath of um Anna killing herself. And we know that, um, like you said, Vronsky goes and fights in the war. war. Um, and Alexei takes custody of their daughter, little Annie. Mm-hmm. And then, um, obviously, Levin and Kitty, um, working on their communication I think most of part eight I felt like was Levin um trying to find his religion and his reason for living and stuff like that yeah they like overall this book really lost me on some of the finer like political and philosophical points because especially as they related to Russia at that time just because I don't know enough about Russia at that time yeah fully understand i did like that they were giving anna crap they were like why are you mentoring an english girl when there's russian school children all around you (laughs) yeah i mean i don't have too much to say i mean for part eight like what we already discussed how uh you know vronsky now has nothing he's going to fight in the war because his daughter has been taken by uh Alexi, like all that stuff, like I don't know. I think I already kind of spouted off some of my stuff on that. Because part seven, I feel like, was really the 
the big like the big chapter oh yeah for sure and again I did not know Anna was going to kill herself. I didn't know she was dying. I was wondering, like, what... Because you were like, I spoiled some stuff. And I was like... Because you are like, I know what happens to Anna. I know what happens to Levin and Kitty. And I was like, that they all live happily ever after. Like, I seriously did not know. And then when she died, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks that you knew that beforehand for your sake. Yeah. Like I said, I, I had... Um, my guess was it was something more, like natural especially the way she was speaking while she was pregnant of like this is going to end terribly mm-hmm. I, I had assumed that it was going to be something not that she wasn't tragic but more that just like you know she was going to become very sick or very ill she was you know it was going to be an accident I didn't I didn't think that she would play a part in her own death yeah um I mean it kind of makes sense now that we see like the spiraling out of control but yeah yeah if if I would have known that she was gonna die I don't think I would have guessed suicide Mm -mm. yeah um I think we both agreed that we should listen to the audiobook for it yes I might also watch the movie I, I still haven't like fully decided on that well I think too we had discussed maybe like watching it and then doing an episode where we um talk about our reaction to it yeah um so we might do that in the next few weeks or so as one of our weekly check-ins um i think if i listen to it my final like star rating could change what would you give it right now i'm like we we should we should you should do it now, listen, and see if you reevaluate. Okay. Right now, I'm at like a 3.25-ish. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Is that the highest that you've... I think that's the highest I've given. Yeah. I, I think... I... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I was going to get my rating. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because I think after parts one and two, we kind of said, like, what would we give it at that moment? And I think I said, like, a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Um... So I don't, I mean, it's not a huge difference, so I don't know just what made me drop it, but I could, I could see it going back up for sure after listening to the book. Yeah, right now I'm wavering between a 3.5 and a 4. Oh, wow. Okay. Because this was, this is a a weird parallel, but it reminds, like, it's kind of like for me, always sunny where none of the characters are very good like they're not good people but they were entertaining okay they're entertaining to watch like I like it's a dense book and I think like listening to it's gonna help kind of like bring some things back or make me like realize some more things yeah Um, but like you know I I enjoyed it like I said, I could have done without a lot of the political and philosophical stuff just because that's that's over my head. But um, as far as, like, the characters and their relationships, like, I kind of enjoyed it. Like, I see why people say it's the greatest novel ever written. I don't yeah. know. It's not my personal greatest novel ever written. But I can see where people think that or why it's called that. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. I think, I again, I think... I also, it could have also been my translation. So, yeah, because remember, I had the same one, and I had to switch to 
a different one because it was bothering me. So, like, I'm also even considering, like, actually buying the book. You can get that one that was, like, 500 bucks. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I don't know that there is a book in the world that I would pay that much for. No. I don't, I can't even think of, like, a book that would be worth that. Um, no, I'll buy, I know that the one, I think it was your same copy that you had. I saw it at, like, one of my local bookstores, and I think it was, like, nine bucks. Yeah, I think so. I got mine for, like, five or something yeah. like that. And I, yeah, I could probably look on Amazon, too, and see if they have it. But, yeah, I think that, um, I think my rating could easily go up after listening to it. Like I said, I, like, I'm not the biggest Maggie Gyllenhaal fan. I'm definitely not. Um, but I actually, I thought she did, like, she was a good choice Mm -hmm. for this, so. Yeah. um, I just, I I downloaded the Audible app again, um, just to kind of see when I log in, um, it looks like I would have to pay seven ninety nine a month again, like to reactivate to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first like um, review says returned after only one hour of listening. But I don't. I think people have different opinions on like what they like to hear. Because I think that about podcasts too. Like um, there's certain podcasts. Like as soon as I listen to it, I'm like. I can't stand those voices. Like I can't listen to it and people like love it. And then there's podcasts that I love and people are like, Oh, I can't stand that. Their voices are annoying, that kind of thing. So I think it's, I don't really judge audible books by like reviews because I just, if it's not your preference to hear somebody's voice. Yeah. Like there's, there was one book that I had been really interested in reading and I got the audible version of it and the woman's voice just grated on my ears. Like I couldn't, everything like her accent and her like I was just like I don't like this that's what like I just finished um an audiobook I think it was called say something and it was or say nothing um and it was about an Irish woman that was murdered I believe it was Irish but like the the narrator also had like an accent and then like it just went really slow and like I just at one point I was like I'm just listening to finish this book like I don't even know if I'm paying attention anymore so I didn't I did not enjoy it as much as I was hoping to it was by Patrick Raiden Keefe say nothing so but then like right now I'm listening to um it's called True Crime Attic, and it's by James Renner, and it's about his obsession about the Maura Murray case. hmm So, and I think he is the one that is narrating it. Um, it was like Billy Jensen did his. Um, yeah, I like when the their author does their, yeah, I like when the author does their own book. Um, but I'm finding his more enjoyable, but it also might be because I'm really interested in this case. Mm-hmm. And it's only like seven hours long, so it's real quick. So, yeah. All right. So, so, if I'm so at, would you say that you're? Would you say you're at a three point seven five then at this point? Yeah, we'll just we'll just put it right in the middle. And then if I'm at a three point two five, I put this at a three and a half. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I so like, I think the first two books for Oprah 
I was like, but I think this one kind of helped bring it back up a little bit. Um, But I'm interested to see, you know, we've got what, eight more books? Nine. Nine more books. So we, um, we'll see how the rest of it goes. I know. Are we ready to announce the next three? Yeah. So that wraps up Anna and we've got our next three. Ooh. All right, I will, um, I'm going to give the name of the book, the author, and then when it was in Oprah's book club, and then Lindsay's going to give a quick synopsis real quick of them. So our next book is While I Was Gone by Sue Miller, and it was Oprah's May 2000 pick. And this book is about a woman's happy life is upended when a person from her past reappears. Sounds Sounds exciting. A little bit of mystery, right? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, and then our next book is Daughter of Fortune by Isabel Allende, which was Oprah's February 2000 pick. And this is just a Chilean woman's journey to San Francisco during the gold rush. And last but not least of our next three is... <laughs> is Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. And this one, along with um, A Tale of Two Cities, was Oprah's December of 2010. And this is a coming-of-age tale about an orphan named Pip. Yeah. So I, I have already made the decision to just make Great Expectations an audiobook. You know what? Yeah, we might have to. Because I have tried to read Charles Dickens before, and I could not. I had to read. I had to read. <laughs> I had to read Great Expectations in high school, but I'm pretty sure at one point I switched over to um, Cliff Notes. Um, <laughs> so I don't know that I finished it or if I even remember anything um, about it. So we'll see just, how it goes. I just remember we read parts of, or we read um, Christmas Carol. Oh. Seventh grade, something like that. I don't remember. I just remember being like, "This is stupid. I hate this." So funny. Yeah. So those are our next three books: While I Was Gone, Daughter of Fortune, and Great Expectations. Um, Again, While I Was Gone is a pretty short book, so we'll probably be able to discuss that one before October. Mm -hmm. And then um, Daughter of Fortune can probably be in October and then we might just spread out great expectations for November and December and end the year on that and then we will have six more books of Oprah's book club yeah so uh, that'll be our wow I can't believe 2021 is almost over it's wild I just I felt like 2020 went by so slow and 2021's like we're getting through this as fast as we can I just feel like 2020 wasn't real I don't think so either because I try to go back and like think about I'm like okay was that March of 2020 and then I'm like that was almost two years ago okay yeah it's really weird and I just think about like everything that happened in the first two months of 2020 before the world shut down I I don't remember basically like January through March because I had a newborn that wouldn't sleep and I wouldn't sleep and I don't remember (laughs) And then I remember yeah. going back, like, remember my, my maternity leave ended, 
the same week that work decided like we have to start splitting things up and like like it was like my maternity leave ended and then uh, the world is blowing up (laughs) yeah okay so come back to work but also work from home okay thank you yeah which was a blessing in disguise Mm -hmm. because it was a nice easy way to ease back into things after being gone for like three months and I think what most companies have shown in the past year and a half is like people are capable of doing their job from home. I read a very interesting article that was discussing um, how different generations are viewing like work from home and the shutdown and how a lot of like baby boomers and older workers are very much so like, no, there's an office culture, like that's how you need to get ahead. And a lot of um, younger Gen X, millennials, and even like some of the younger Gen Zs or older Gen Zs who are entering the workforce very much so are like, you should be basing off of my performance. And if I can perform well at home, that's what should matter. Like, Yeah, I think also too that that older generation, like we're also asking them to learn how to use like Zoom and log on and, we're asking them to do these things at home, which are already very difficult. Like, if I had to, like, show my grandparents how to, like, log on to Zoom every day to get work done and, like, jump into a meeting, like, I can see why that it's just, like, this is routine for us. We show up at our office. We do our work. Home is for our mm-hmm. family and stuff. I can see why they think that. And then with, like, the generation that's already in knows how to use technology and knows how to do all of these things, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, I can easily do this from home. Like, so I just, I think that's why there's that, such that split of what's, what we're capable of. Like, if you can prove that you can do the same work that you could have done in the office and you can do it at home and you're being productive, then go for it. Um, I think a lot of companies too have kind of realized like we can save on, like we can save money by not having to rent out such a large office. Absolutely. it's, It's cheaper to get everybody a laptop to work from home mm-hmm. than it is to stack a place with computers, printers, all this, and rent the office space. Yeah, uh, and I, yeah, and I think like it's just as long as you're doing the job and you're doing it right. Like, there's nothing. I think what was so crazy is like when people were returning to their office a year later and just like how like eerie and quiet and just it looked like everybody just like got up and left because it was told like we're shutting down. And then nobody had returned to their office in over a year. And it just, I don't know, you're just kind of like, oof. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping, like, my plan, I want to start working from home once a week. So, we'll see if that is going to happen. But, yeah. Okay. Um, anything else? don't think so. I think... It was a good little wrap up. Yeah. Um, I am. Oh, I do have a correction to make. Oh, no. I am an idiot. Okay. And so I finished the book I had been reading by Sarah Penner that I had been calling the last apothecary. I was wrong. It's the lost apothecary. <laughs> I, I never even. I, I never even caught why. that. I thought that. I don't know why I put that other letter there. I don't know. But I was oh, I was reading it and I fin- I finished it. And I was reading it and then I looked at the title because you know when you're on a Kindle, it's always at the very top. And I was just like, huh. I'm wrong. <laughs> I wonder if you have it right. 
when you posted on Instagram, you put it correctly. Okay. I, I, I did don't, not. I don't think I ever, like, caught on that you were, like, the last. Like, I think I was like, yeah, sounds great. And so even when I posted the picture, I was like, okay, sounds okay. cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's no, so I'm, funny. Yeah, I, I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Mm. Um, and then I, I need to change my currently reading because now I'm currently reading the Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Yeah, I'm on a little scar. Yeah, so that is exciting. I'm sure we'll discuss more about those next week in our little, like, weekly check-in, though. Yeah. Um, again, you can follow us on Instagram at Reading with Celebs and Twitter at Reading W Celebs. Please go give us a like, a follow, subscribe, all of those fun things, and we will see you next week. All righty, everybody. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye.